Welcome to the American Med Spa Podcast, Medical Spa Insider. This week, founder Alex Tiersch was the moderator for the All-Star Injectors panel. The panelists include George Baxter Holder of Skin Spirit, Lori Robertson of Aesthetic Immersion, Sarah Safa of Refined Aesthetics, Jacob Sanchez of Get Refreshed, and Hermine Warren of Faceology. Hey everybody, Alex Tiersch here. Welcome to Medical Spa Insider. Um, on this episode, we at the Medical Spa Show, which was, uh, gosh, over a month ago now in, in Vegas, we um, recorded a couple or several of the panels that we um, did. And, and one of the ones that I was super excited about and I thought was one of the most interesting panels that I've ever been involved in, frankly, was the what we call the All-Star Injectors panel. And we brought um, some of the some of the best and most successful um, and, and qualified um, injectors from across the country together and just talked about things, talked about the industry, talked about training. And that's what you're about to listen to. So I hope you enjoy it. And again, this is from the Medical Spa Show 2022 in Las Vegas and hope to see you soon. Bye. So I appreciate all of you coming. Um, my name is Alex Tiersch, um, founder and CEO of Amspa. We've got a great panel here of injectors. We're going to get into it just right off the bat and talk about things that are of pertinent uh, to you. If any of you have questions, we would love to get questions from the audience. Um, you know, I obviously am not an injector. You don't want me to be an injector. You don't want me to necessarily talk about being an injector, but I can talk about things from a broad perspective. But if there's specific, whether it's clinical, anything like that that you want to talk about, uh, please do. Let's just go ahead and go down um, the line here with George Baxter uh, Holder and just give a quick two-second uh, background of, of your credentials and, and maybe, and we'll just go down the road and maybe say kind of what's, what, what inspires you right now about uh, being a, an aesthetic injector. Oh my, my goodness, yeah. So um, my name is George Baxter Holder. I'm a nurse practitioner, a doctor of nursing practice. Um, I've, I've, I've probably been, I feel like I'm the newbie around here a lot of times. I've been uh, at this since 2008. And, um, you know, I, I work for a company called Skin Spirit. I'm the director of talent recruiting for them. We have an expansion. We're at 21 clinics, soon to be at 30. And uh, so I have a big job to do there. And what in, really inspires me today about aesthetics, I, I hate to admit this, but I started injecting at people's dining room table with bad lighting, and I didn't know what Hylonex was. So um, what inspires me today is how fortunate people are to be getting into this business right now, because there's so many um, key opinion leaders, there's so many educators, and there's so many uh, conferences and classes that, that really elevate you so much faster if, you know, if you do the work, if you put the time in. And so uh, that's really what's... Yeah. Jacob Sanchez, I have the pleasure of meeting you for the first time. Um, I might have met you last night, but I don't remember. Um, but uh, <laughs> give a, did I say that out loud? Um, go yeah, ahead and, I'm a board-certified registered nurse anesthetist. Uh, I haven't been doing much anesthesia in the last three years. I, I got into injectables, and it was a plastic surgeon by the name of Dr. Ducio. He was like, I can make way more money pushing a neurotoxin and fillers than I could uh, doing surgery. And I was like, well, that's within my scope of practice. So I immediately signed up and I'm here. Um, and then after that, I, you know, I, I was like, you know, there, there's nobody at the, really at the pinnacle of this wave that's about to embark on us. You know, people are starting to destigmatize the use of 
uh, of these neurotoxins and fillers, but there's really not a brand yet. Like everyone in this room has the opportunity to be that brand of whether it's pampers with diapers or Kleenex with tissue paper. And uh, so I just set on this, 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 this journey of trying to reach the pinnacle of this mountain that we're all embarking on. And I also developed the Aesthetic Vision Institute, which is uh, an amazing, amazing uh, curriculum for people of all disciplines of medicine. And I think that's where we need to go. Is So what I'm really loving right now you know, on my journey is just the fact that I don't think that there should be a turf war between estheticians, nurse practitioners, and these, uh, you know, uh, physician associates, I think there should be, we should set, set the standard across all disciplines of medicine so that we can really just embrace this beautiful, magnificent career that we're all embarking on. And, I, you know, I love being, you know, I love trying to lead it, you know, so I, I'm, I'm really privileged and honored and flattered that I'm, I'm sitting up here talking to you guys. Yeah. Thank you. Lori Robertson, I mean, needs no introduction. Am I on? But let's do it anyway. <laughs> Thank you. Um, good morning, everybody. Lori Robertson, family nurse practitioner. Um, yeah, I've been a nurse for 40 years now. God. Um, <laughs> uh, doing aesthetics for about 15 and um, have never looked back. I've never looked back at the ICU, ER, family practice career that I had. Aesthetics has been something that has been a lot more involved, a lot more difficult than I thought it would be. It's not just giving Botox. There's so much more facial anatomy, and we'll kind of go into stuff like that today, but um, it's something that is inspiring, and one thing that I love, I was just talking to Jacob about this earlier, is that it's not vanity. What we're doing is not all vanity. What we're doing is really instilling confidence and self-esteem in people, and it could be something little, but then when they walk out of our office and they hold their heads higher and they feel better about themselves, that's not vanity. That is self-esteem and confidence, and I love that, that, that we can be part of that. It might not be brain surgery, but it's not that easy either. So it's, it's really fun, and um, I, if you know me, you know I'm all about education. I love sharing what I've learned with everybody so that everybody can be better. I think community over competition is absolutely the motto, and I, I think that if people are competitive, they kind of get pushed to the side. And I think people who are in the community and really want to share are the ones who really come up and are well-respected and, and um, helpful and mentors. So um, like Jacob, we kind of started a few years ago uh, a aesthetic academy called the Aesthetic Immersion. And um, <clears throat> Dr. Kwok and I love to share what we've learned through the years with others because we want you to be safe and we want you to be better. And we want the patients to have the best outcomes possible. And Hermine Warren, is that, are you next? Hi, everybody. Yeah. I don't, I'm, is it on? Okay. Um, I'm just really excited to be here. I am a doctor of nursing practice and an advanced practice registered nurse. I've been in the field for 18 and a half years. But I think the one thing that I really want to bring home to all of you, and if you're all here at this earlier time, then it's certainly important to you, is just embracing your paths of education being able to constantly stay current and to do what you need to do to make you very competitive within your field. I know that people are often saying when they're deeply immersed into their practices, oh, there's no time for school, how could I do it? What could I do? Is it gonna really help me? 
But I got my DMP when I was 62. And so, and that's not yesterday either, sadly <laughs> enough. <laughs> but I just think that it's really important to know that it's really great to be current with the field that you're in. And the way that you do that is through education. Knowledge really is power. And it gives you an ability to go toe-to-toe with all of the professionals in your field. And so to me, what I love about AMSPA and any organization like AMSPA is that it provides a wealth of education and ability for you to meet the leaders in the field, to get questions answered that you might not have when you're a singleton practice, and to really be amongst people of all different levels within the aesthetic arena. And it's really an honor to I mean, you're going to have to tell us how you got your DNP when you were 62 and you just turned 40. That's, that's strange. Well, I always tell people I'm older, so they go, God, you look so good. <laughs> <laughs> and Sarah Safa? So I'm Sarah, and I just want world peace. <laughs> I mean, this is why I don't go last, you guys, normally. Okay, so very well said, all of you. Um, yeah, no, I, I honestly feel like you know, I can hit on all these points, but I won't be a dead horse. The reality is with change, you know, comes challenge and evolution of this industry. And, you know, when we all started injecting, most of us, I've been injecting for 18 years now, um, we didn't have the accessibility to online learning and didactics and all these, these conferences were nothing like that. We didn't even exist. We were like a little speck on the spectrum. So I am just like flabbergasted. There's my vocabulary word for the day. Um, to see this. I mean, this is amazing, Alex, to have these many people interested in raising the bar in the aesthetic industry and wanting to be better. And that's what it's all about. This should be contagious, you guys. So thank you all for being here. And, you know, hopefully we can share some pearls with you today, too. If you had seen some of these people at the party last night, you might not be saying that. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, let's just kind of dive into it. I, you know, I, I've got a ton of questions. Again, if any of you all have questions, please, please answer them. One thing I would like to just throw out to the panel um, to kind of, you know, really shake it up a little bit. What's, um, what's one thing in the current environment that you, when you look out and see whether it's new injectors, current injectors, um, that what's one thing that's happening or that people are doing that makes you nervous or that you don't necessarily like um, as far as what folks are doing? Does that make sense? Yes. <laughs> Sarah, raise your first? hand. You can go first this time. Okay. Um, so I am, and some of us are faculty members on the, you know, so... Pure disclosure, we do work for the cadaver course for AMI. Um, I, as a national trainer, am a little worried about the fact that I could probably put 10 injectors in a room and five of them would not know their anatomy. Um, it worries me, you guys. I mean, unfortunately, as educators, we're probably the first individuals that are getting the phone calls. I see tons of educators out there in the audience as well. They could raise their hand to a test. It, we're the first people to get complication calls, and it's, it's just, it's informidable. It really, we should not be having these complications. So, I really encourage you, no matter what level you are at, to take a minute to continue to educate yourself on the anatomy, because that's where it all starts, you guys. Patients' outcomes are important, but their safety comes first. We're providers. We're not, you know, foo-foo injectors. So I'll get off my And to build on that, which I totally agree, I think we all would say that the platform to start on is knowing your anatomy and physiology, is really what's frightening to me is... People, and, and it's always this way in a field. You see something, whether it might be on Instagram or one of your friends told you, and you go, I want to do that treatment. And I can't tell you how many times I've gone to do a training 
and there have been injectors in the training who are brand new injectors, and I'll come in and I'll go, so what are we going to do today? Oh, I want to do the nose, and I want to do <laughs> the temple, and all these, and I said, have you ever injected? No, but I know it just looks so good, so easy. And I know that it's not possibly any of you out there, but I would say that the one thing that always gets me nervous is I, I'm a firm believer, maybe it comes from being in the business for a while or just age-related, that I want to sleep at night and I also want people to walk before they can run because I think it builds a really good, formidable platform to really be a great injector. And you should always know how to fix a mistake before you get a mistake. Right. Anyone else? I'm just going to add on to both the people who I agree with 1,000%. <clears> I, one thing that actually is by my stomach just drops out of me when someone walks out to me and says, you know what, um, I'm, I'm new to injecting and um, we're going to open our clinic next week. And I just, my heart stops because it tells me that they probably don't quite know how involved it is and how much you need a mentor, how much you need someone to guide you through the, the steps and the myriad of everything we got to do with injectables. It's not just doing a little shot here or there. There's so much more involved in it anatomically, there is so much we need to learn. And I just, I think that's one thing that I, I, I think I look like a deer in the headlights when someone comes up and tells me that. And I'm like, please, please work with somebody first for a few years. Get your, get your grounding, get your knowledge, look at what, and have somebody with you to back you up. But that's one thing that just, I just, it scares me to death when I hear that. So it's a lot more involved. And a lot of you who inject, you know, you know. You couldn't just take a, a weekend class and go open your clinic and be a safe injector. That's awesome. Uh, I think there's two problems with the industry right now. Uh, one is the level of education. I, I, like I had mentioned earlier, I, don't, I, I feel like the level of education shouldn't be dependent on your discipline of medicine. If you're an esthetician or you're a plastic surgeon, you guys are still performing the same procedure. So I think that there should be a standard, uh, an accrediting body that just almost like an umbrella that really encompasses and, and really secures the, the, the growth of this industry and how fast it's going. Right. Mm -hmm. from, that's from the injector standpoint. From a business standpoint, I think that uh, one of the issues that I see is that, yeah, I feel like these products are too expensive. <laughs> and yeah, and I feel like there's, there's perks and exclusivity, right? I can be like, oh, my name is Jacob. I'm on this all-star panel. So I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to charge you more. Uh, and, and there's perks in that. There's perks in exclusivity, but I think that there's all the perks in inclusivity. And I think that we need to, we need to really get together and, and really see like, hey, we're about to break the stigma that's attached to all these neurotoxins and dermal fillers and make it affordable for the soccer mom. You know, that's what we need to do. And I, I think when we do that, we're going to open the floodgates to every demographic. You know, we, we see p people coming in from all walks of life, all ages, you know, from their, in their 20s. Even, even minors come to our practice. You know, their parents are bringing them because they had a car accident and they had seven rhinoplasties and they're coming in. And it's like, hey, you know what, man, if it... If, I, I, there's a chance that, you know, we may have a complication, but if it really bothers you, 
I'm going to take this challenge on, you know, and we're going to we're going to come together and this is going to be a collaboration rather than me being this uh, injector with a white lab coat. Uh, so I, I think that once we get to inclusivity and we just really make it affordable for everybody, this is going to be like Colgate. This, this is everyone's this because they, they're starting to see that oh, I can incorporate this into my daily life. Like I, I can see how managing the aging process is really going to be beneficial for me, even in my late twenties. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't, I don't have a ton to add to any of this, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a little bit different tack because you know these, these people here are they're educators, and um, when I look at social media and I see Lori Robertson's posts, I know that I know that it's going to be fun. And it's going to have education involved. And so, like, one of the trends that I see that drives me crazy, I have little soap, soap boxes that I get on. So this is my new, this is, <laughs> oh, maybe big soap boxes. Sarah knows me too well. <laughs> Temper the dancing on TikTok with education. Like, let your clients, let your public know how smart you are. You guys are the most intelligent, amazing, talented people I have ever had the pleasure and honor to be involved with. And all I see is that you're cheerleaders or dancers or, you know, it's like, not that you couldn't do that or shouldn't do that, just do it with and, you know? Um, and, and make sure that your public and make sure that your peers are getting that educational nugget because they're hungry for it. You know, I did a post on Instagram, I had, I had a brow lift. Some of you guys may know that. And I have this huge bruises that right here and here, a sharp line right at my zygomaticus cutaneous ligament. So what did I do? In my bathroom mirror, I did, I did an educational piece. It, was got, it got 8,000 views, you know? Because people are hungry for that kind of education. And people that viewed that were my clients because they came in and they told me, oh my God, I didn't realize there was ligaments there. So, you know, it's like, I know I'm a troglodyte. I don't dance very well. And I... I think I have two TikToks, and one of them needs to be deleted. So, um, <laughs> but I, th that's just my perspective on what I see when I look at uh, Instagram. So. Well, you know, it's it's an interesting point because it's so. Um, that's what Instagram and TikTok is, right? It's about your personality in a lot of ways. But um, what does that do when you're being funny and, and in, in in a clinical setting? There was a, a case a couple years ago with the, one of the surgeons dancing around in the operating room when the mm -hmm. patient was out, and you know, boom, license removed, kicked out, almost thrown in jail kind of thing. Um, if you're doing that kind of thing in your office though, in a med spa, it's, 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 it's fine. And, and in fact, we kind of encourage it because it gets your personality out. But there is kind of a fine line between, you know, how do you make sure that it's still clinical and people can trust you in what you're doing? We are practicing medicine. Mm-hmm. Like no matter what, it doesn't matter what level you are, or, you know, all of that. We are practicing. This is this is medicine we're practicing. We need to be have that kind of serious. But I think you need to do both. Uh, you're, you're you're trying to get your name out there. Um, so I can understand like TikTok. Yeah, I hate dancing. I I, I hate it. You know, uh, some of the girls at that. <laughs> that yeah, I don't want to do a routine like. It's not it's not my thing. But I do see that. I mean, this is about marketing, too. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in three and a half years, we've grown. Even our first year, we grew, we grew by over 208%. Mm -hmm. And the last year, two weeks ago, we grew by 76%. And part of it is because you, you got to... People will spend a dollar with you if they feel like they know you. And you have to get out of your comfort zone in order to do that. And sometimes, I mean, what they're doing is they're coming in, they're revealing their insecurities to you. 
So you kind of have to do the same, because I, I found strength in that. I was like, I want to, I was talking to you earlier, I was like, I want to be like that. I want, I want to be that person that, you know what, I'm, I'm going to let my guard down, and, and, and this is the way to do it. TikTok right now is the platform. Like, what, I, I know you don't want to dance, I don't want to dance, but you got to get on there, because this is what happens with platforms, because I, as you mentioned earlier, that surgeon who got their, their license revoked because they were dancing, well, I worked with Dr. Miami, and, mm -hmm. and he was the first one to revolutionize and bring, and bring surgery into your bedroom, into your, uh, you know, your dining table, where you're watching it with your family. Mm -hmm. um, and, but I, I really feel that um, what, you, what, what I saw from him is that he, he wouldn't have any marketers. He would have these 18-year-old kids come into the office, tell him how to work the algorithm. Mm -hmm. Young people gravitate to a platform and grab onto it before older people. <laughs> like, tick, like, now Instagram is becoming like Facebook. <laughs> and if you don't jump on TikTok... You call it TikTok. TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, you gotta, this is the time where you actually want to get on TikTok and develop your followers because it's so much easier to develop a following on TikTok versus Instagram. Instagram is a pay-to-play type of field right now. It's almost like uh, like Facebook. So you got to get out there and you got to like you got to showcase and and work the algorithm and then you know just infiltrate a little bit of education as you do it. All right. So my daughter had to show me how to even post on Instagram. So I'm lucky. I just learned. George is laughing. I just learned how to do a reel because I couldn't figure those out. So but show I follow me you on MySpace. <laughs> So I'm like, TikTok, holy crap. Oh my God. So yeah, it's tough. But one thing about social media, I know we kind of digressed into social media, but one thing about Instagram is that I get, I get so many consults from Instagram. Right. It is a form of, of, it's a referral source. And what's interesting, because I come from old school, and when we used to, when I, before Instagram, when I used to get um, consults in, I had to vet myself. Hi, I'm Lori. I've been a nurse for 120 years and blah, 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 blah. And, and I teach and blah, blah, blah. So now when people come in and they're Instagram referrals and they come in off Instagram, I'm like, hi. I'm like, they're like, just do me. Yeah. I go, oh, well, let me tell you about the safety. No, no. I've heard it all. I've watched all your... Because they trust it. you. Right? They, they, You've I developed don't have to the trust. myself. Exactly. And so they know me. They know my personality. They know I'm safety oriented. They just know me better than I know me. And it's, it's so easy. And it's organic, so too. I want to say just one little sidebar. I'll probably be the real OG as an old goat. <laughs> but, but the bottom line for me is, is, and I'm going to be giving a talk later this afternoon on health literacy. The three words you don't want someone ever saying to you is, I trust you. Because I've said this many, many times to many, place, to many people in many places, Patients love you till they don't. And so you really, I'm always that person. I'm not saying don't have fun. You have to have fun. But there also has to always be, it's a, it's a real thin line for me, and there has to be an opportunity that if you're a new provider and you're spending more of your time on Instagram or on TikTok or any place developing who you are, you're not spending your time where it should be spent, which is in your clinic, developing your policies, your procedures, developing safety, and developing a reason why patients really should trust you. So I know this sounds old-fashioned, and I was that person that up until a few years ago, I had 150 posts on my Instagram, and they were all of my dog, Gershwin. And someone said to me, you better put something on there. 
And so I fought it, and I'm not saying that that's a good thing. My comfort zone is not social media. It is a way to really promote yourself. I think that it has created tremendous revenue and tremendous acknowledgement and sort of cred in the industry when you're on Instagram, when you're on the various social media platforms, because people who you wouldn't ever get to know you get to know you. But I would just also throw in there that they, you really want them to get to know you as a professional and as a healthcare provider that they feel leads with safety and fun secondarily. That's my feeling. Mm -hmm. can, I, can I round out that entire conversation here just in general? And I, I am on board with every single person here. Um, I will say that I really believe as an injector, what we put in people's faces is also a direct reflection on you. And the way you advertise yourself, you guys, is what you will get in quality of a patient too. Does that make sense? So just no matter what platform you choose, realize that it is a complete reflection on you and your practice, and that is exactly the kind of patient you're going to get through the door. So if you want to maintain a loyal patient, I give a lecture on this sometimes, it's a cool topic, just remember that. Professionalism comes first. You can do it on many platforms the way you see fit. But I've worked in multiple practices. My manager's here. She's been with me through forever, witnessing this too. Don't cheapen yourself. So don't, don't act like a fool, all right? Just don't. Because you're also, you're, you know what? We're trying to unite. And what we're also doing is we're lowering the bar, right? We want to be respected. And many of us are mid-level providers in here and not physicians. I hate that term, but we are. And we've earned our keep, hopefully, in this industry. And if we continue to act crazy and like idiots online, they're not going to value us, these doctors. And they shouldn't, quite frankly. So just please, like, just keep that in mind. You know, and, and I was thinking of it also from the, the public perspective perspective. You're in some ways, I don't want to say marginalizing, but you're trivializing the, the expertise that it takes to perform these. And so the, the public doesn't think it's, you know, all this training is necessary because I can go in there dancing around. I'll be, I'll be famous. But I mean, you, we, you, we have to do it. We, you, you I mean, I, it. I feel like there, when you advertise yourself, you have to, when I first got into it, I, I mentioned Dr. DCO telling me, okay, you can push, I can make more money doing neurotoxin and fillers than I can doing surgery. I was like, okay. But he was like, I have, you have to have the volume. And I was like, okay, I'll do it. And I, then I was trying to figure out and come up with a marketing plan. You can do that because you're an OG. You, you've been in the field. Like, I, I, I would, I mean, just reading your, 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 your bio, I was like, this woman's incredible. You don't need to dance, right? <laughs> yeah. But I, I feel that you have to take this pie and be like, okay, this is going to be my marketing scheme, right? Before and afters become monotonous. So people are only going to come onto your page if somebody referred them and be like, okay, okay let me look at the, their portfolio. But there has to be, you have to develop a, a, a personality on there. And I, I think that, you know, to, to go back to your point where, yeah, you want to focus on the education and not so much, you know, dancing on TikTok. Well, you got to eat, sleep, shit what you're going to do. If you want to be the greatest that ever that has ever done it, you have to just nonstop be at your craft. You know, I, when I was 22 years old, I was working as a phys physical therapy aide uh, at Doctors Hospital in Miami, Florida. And I'm this young guy, right? Like, I'm just, like, eager to get into this field. I'm, I feel, like, awesome that I'm wearing scrubs. Like, I didn't think that I would even get this far, uh, being a high school jock, you know, just, but he was, he told me I was, I, he was a, this black belt, like third degree black belt. And he was, I was like, I want to be like you, man. How, how 
if, if I just like study your crap, how long would it take me to get to where you're at? And he was like, mm, about, about four years. And I was like, all right. But what if I like practice like five days a week? Seven years. Okay. What if I like just nonstop seven days a week, you know, morning and night? He was like, 10 years. And I was like, well, that doesn't make sense. He was like, that's because you have one eye in the present and one eye in the future. You have to have both eyes right now. And it has to be nonstop. Right now, you're, everybody in this room has an opportunity to really embark on what may be the, the, Uber of medical professions. Like, you can be your own boss. You can be the Kleenex. You can be the diaper, uh, pampers of diapers. Like, you can, you can reach the pinnacle of this mountain. No one has really reached it. Everyone's just, like, you know, just pushing neurotoxin and fillers. Why not try to, you know, really, wh why not be the, I don't know, what, what's, your, what's your brand? Yeah. Saturn Beauty. Savvy beauty? Why not be Savvy Beauty? Like when people hear Savvy Beauty, they, oh, that's the most well-trusted brand when it comes to neurotoxin. Mm -hmm. And we all have the chance to do that. And I, but I think that it takes, yes, you working on your policies and procedures, it does take you developing a story behind your brand. And that's what you're doing on social media. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the moral to that is that you should inject while you should. <laughs> <laughs> Just joking. Um, I want to. I want to actually take it in a slightly different direction. We were exchanging questions. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, and um, um, one of the things that, and again, I'm not an injector, so I'm coming at this from a, the outsider's perspective. Is um, people who patients who get overtreated or who want to be treated upon, you know, treatments upon treatments. Mm -hmm. And what's, and I remember very specifically when I was first getting this industry, Dr. Stephen Diane, who's a facial plastic in Chicago, he helped launch me and he said the best thing you can do as a doctor, he was a doctor, is to say no, right? And how do you go about doing that? What's the, number one, how do you do it to someone who wants a treatment that you don't feel they should get? Um, what's the, 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 the calculation there? I'd love to talk about that a little bit. Go ahead. Um, I think it's a very difficult thing. We're all pleasers. That's why we go into businesses where we can help people. And I remember when I first started out and someone would come in and say, oh, I don't like here. Would you inject here? Oh, sure, I'll inject there. And I don't like here. Oh, sure, I'll inject there. And the more I injected and the, the further my career came on to me, I found that it was me and my confidence. As a new injector, you want to please, you're afraid if you turn someone away, it's going to be bad for you out in the community. Oh, she turned me away. I'll never get patience again. But the more that you do your craft, you realize the confidence comes with it and that you're able to say no in a way that's not a turnoff to a patient. I just simply said to a patient once when they asked me to inject in an area that I thought was very dangerous, I said, I will be candid with you. I do not feel comfortable injecting you. And you do not want somebody who doesn't feel comfortable injecting you in that area. It's a very high-risk area. You risk blindness if I inject you there. Oh, I don't want to be blind. So I said, I didn't say I'd make you blind, but the reality of it is is that you really carry the most important thing in your hands as a provider, and that's your patient's trust and your patient's face their most important thing to them. And so when you think about that, you really realize that saying no 
is the best gift you can give somebody because the worst thing that you'd ever want to do is inject when you're tentative, inject when you're nervous, inject when you feel you're going to have a bad outcome. I, I don't know, I'm such a superstitious person, but you put that juju out into the world and it's like you don't want to do that, so you want to really go forward with the things you believe in, and that's how I've been able to say no. People, people come to us because they, they, they value our expert opinion. And so, you know, when I'm assessing someone's face and I see overfilled lips or, or cheeks, I'm very honest in a, in, a, in a nice way. I'm very honest with exactly what I see and what needs to happen. And if the answer is no, you know, mostly, most of the time, that actually builds trust. Because I'm not, I'm not a filling station. Like, they don't come in and I just pump them up with whatever they want. I, you know, I'm a scientist and I'm an artist. And it's my art that's walking out the door. Um, and it's a collaboration between myself and my client. And so, you know, you have to, you have to engage with them and if the answer is no, then you know possibly there's there's some compromise or some other things. But no is perfectly reasonable for a for a treatment perspective. And I, I just kind of add one little quick thing. Go ahead. And the other thing I would say is that your name is on everything that you do. I know we've said this numerous times, but you don't want to be that injector that someone enters a room and their lips are in there five minutes before their feet. <laughs> so I mean, the worst case scenario is you can end up losing a patient. I have. I've had patients who have gone elsewhere because I did not want to inject huge lips or I didn't want to do certain things. And to me, I feel better about not being that injector. I absolutely agree with what they've said. One thing that I, <clears throat> that I see when I see people coming in and they're over-treated and they're overfilled is I think of, one, of, of two things. Number one, who they've been going to doesn't know anatomy. They don't know where they've lost the fat, where they've lost the bone, what layer to put things in. And they're, they're creating somebody that this person wasn't ever. We just, want to, we just want to enhance what they look like, not change what they look like. So I think sometimes they don't know anatomy. The other, and probably the more important one, is they just want to buck. They're not in this. We're healthcare providers first. And we, d please don't blur those ethical lines. We, we are there to take care of our patients. They trust us. We need to know everything about what we're doing. We need to know the molecular structure of everything we're doing to our patient. We owe that to them. So when we end up overfilling them or doing too, it tells us that we don't, that we don't know anatomy or we just want a buck. When people come in and you just like stick it in there, um, they don't look good, and, but it makes money in my pocket. But it ethically is not right. Dr. Um, Diane, Stephen Diane's fiance, Sabrina Fabi, has written a wonderful article on perception drift. And what it states is that people forget what they looked like. And they feed, they, they now, what you did is their new normal. And when you do more, it's a new normal. When you do more, it's a new normal. So they come in overfilled and they don't see it. They don't remember what they looked like before. So pictures are really important to have them look back on photos or pull in, bring, have them bring a photo in of 10 years ago before they had their filler done. And the, then they will see how unusual they look. And then they'll let you, let you dissolve it. And I totally agree with George in that when I say no, my patients trust me even more. They beg me to do their lips. I've had somebody for a year, please, I'm like, no, nope, come in six months. Nope, still not. 
but they, they'll, they'll, they'll wait because they trust that I'm not going to make them look funny. When you say yes, it feels so good. Oh, they love it. <laughs> I don't think you should ever say no. I, I think there's a classier way of saying, remember, you're, a, you're not just a, a medical provider. You're, you're a business owner. And saying no is, can, there's a better way. I can be like, you know, I don't think I can meet your expectations. Maybe George can. And you could pass that person on. Uh, but I, I, I do feel that it's the most important part of injecting is the consultation. It's taking that time down to just be like, who's coming in my door? What are the puzzle pieces? And trying to understand that person. What are they trying to achieve? Even the way you ask the questions should be like, okay, I want to do my lips. Their lips are coming in five minutes before their feet. Okay. What makes you say that? Rather than say, why do you want to do your lips? That just creates a defensive person. Now they're like, damn, I got to defend why I actually want to do my lips. Well, let's end, I'm going to ask you an open-ended question. What makes you say that you want to do your lips? And trying to understand that person from, you know, uh, you know who, who's that person behind the skin? What, what is it? Is it an insecurity? Is it, what are your expectations? And just trying to understand, what, you know, what they're really trying to achieve at the end of the day. So I think if you take more time, but you gotta be quick during the consultation, you gotta ask questions that are just gonna, you gotta vet this person as quick as you can because if you're gonna have a high volume practice, you gotta get to the next person. You shouldn't spend more than 10 minutes doing a consultation. But just asking open-ended questions. There's, a, a, there's a, a, an article, I remember doing my master's in anesthesia, they took us to the museum and they were like, okay, they didn't tell us what, why we were there. They were just like, okay, we're gonna go over all these paintings in the room, and they would ask us, what do you see when you look at this painting? And it was, it was like a woman from the Greco-Roman period just being like, and, uh, she looks like she is sad. She's mourning the loss of her husband who's out at war. Everyone had a different idea or perception of what this painting was. Well, what makes you say that? Well, it's because of this, 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 you know, she's in a dark room and there's only a shadow coming in from the light and she's holding a rose. What more do you see? And just asking these open, so what do you, tell me what you see. What makes you say that? What more do you see? Those three questions elicited the most amount of information uh, so you can actually take that into your practice and just trying to vet this person out as quick as, quick as you can uh, really gives you the opportunity to be happy when you go home. Right, because at the end of the day, you want to be happy because there's soul suckers out there. There's people who are not going to be happy no matter what you do to them. And you do not want to inject them, they're not worth the dollar. But I think that the setting the expectations, okay, so what, do you, what are your expectations? What are you hoping to achieve? If you can't meet those expectations or you know they're outrageous, it's, it's, it's nice, it's easy to say, you know, I don't think I'm going to be able to meet your expectations in a very polite way of just saying, okay, I'm not going to take this client on. I think you know it's a it's a really good point, and and Sarah, I would love to to get your input on this too. There, for those of you who are new to the industry, who are just coming in, be know right now you've heard it here. There are some batshit crazy people in this industry, right? <laughs> would you all agree? Am I am I telling the truth? Are you talking about Ab injectors or clients? Yeah, all over the all over both Sometimes everywhere, both, right? Everywhere, but the and and the hardest. Thing to one of the hardest things that I've seen as a, as in my career as a lawyer is how do you identify those patients before you treat them? Because when you treat them, it's too late. Um, you adopted them. What Once you, you treat them, what do you do? What are yours. some Sarah? What, what are some red flags? What are some things that you look at and you say, "Oh my God, this is." And 
you know. Well, like, I mean, I actually, Paige, my office manager, screens them before I even get them, so I know they're crazy. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> um, you, well, you do, one, you do have to trust your staff. I mean, all joking aside, your staff is your resource. Your staff is your go-to. They have dealt with these people on the phone already. They, you know, we have little love notes we write to each other on the messaging system. So I, I really think leverage your staff to help you out on that because they truly will, will prevent you from getting blindsided. Um, but I think that it is really um, getting down to their core fundamentals. My, uh, they call me a snake charmer because I tend to take the most craziest patient and like, you know, like calm them down and before they attack. And I just really break them down. I mean, I, they're so vulnerable in our chairs, you guys. You have to really be open with them and let them know, listen, I see you're upset today or I see you're a little stressed out. Talk to me. What's going on? And then stop talking. That is the most important thing, you guys, that we all do. I'm guilty of it, too. I have the gift of gab. We all do. We wouldn't be up here if not. You have to stop talking. And that awkward silence opens them right up. So trust me, give yourself about 10 seconds before you say another word and they will spill everything to you and it'll give you a much better fundamental understanding of your patient. You know, the one thing I agree with that, the one thing I would also say to all of you, and this is basically getting back to that adage of know yourself. Not every person will be for you and you won't be for every person. It's not a bad thing. It's not a good thing. It's just a thing. And so I agree with Jacob in that You have to learn how to speak to people that you're not in their face, that you're not combative, that you're not confrontive, that you're really letting them be themselves. But if it doesn't work with you, then you have to own that as well. And there have been patients that have occasionally come through to my practice that I just know we're not a love connection. You know, Hermine is not for them, and they're not for me. And so in knowing that, you can easily say in a very loving way, I just don't think I can help you. I I don't feel that we are connecting with each other. Maybe so-and-so can help you. You can give a referral. But I I think that to make yourself say to yourself, I'm a provider. I should be loving this person. I know that they have issues, but I'm going to look beyond that. If it doesn't feel right, I always believe you have to go with your gut and know that your gut is telling you the truth, and the truth might be that you need to just let them go. I think a couple things when you're doing a consult. My consults are 45 minutes long. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah, Yeah, they're long. I like to sit there. One of the joys I get, I never had time to sit with my patients in ER, ICU, family. I never had time. That is one of my joys, that I get to sit and really get to know my patients. I can ask them what they like about themselves. If they can't find one thing they like about themselves, red flag. I can ask them where they've been. Where have you gone? What have you had done? Oh, I went here and I hated it. I went here and I hated it. I went here and I had it dissolved. I went here and it sucked. So I went somewhere. I'm like, red flag number two. So <clears throat> you need to see if somebody is happy with themselves. I always say we can fix the outside. We can't fix the inside. Don't try. We're not psychologists. So if somebody seems like they're just an unhappy person, they're going to make your life miserable if you accept them into your practice. So don't look at money over anything. <clears throat> Look at, look at your joy. If somebody's going to take your joy away, don't t- bring them in. Just say, you know what? I don't think I can really quite do what you want me to do. I'm going to send you down the street to the clinic that, that, you don't like. <laughs> that I don't like. <laughs> Here's our address. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't know about that. I, I don't know that we should really do that. We should just say, you know, I can't. So if there's a third red flag, here's what I say. I don't think I have the skills to make you happy. 
But you do have the skills, though. No. You do. You have no. the skill. You just do know that you can't the meet skill. their expectations. I don't have the skills, and I don't think anybody does. <laughs> I don't have the skills to make you happy, and no one wants to go to somebody without skills. Well, you know, it's 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 just one kind of thing. It's easy to say that when you're established, when you're first starting out. And as a lawyer, I took on some of the worst frickin' cases in the world because I needed money, right? You need to get going. So it's, it's, it's not so easy when you're, when you're trying to get going, but that's all the more reason why you need to, you know, business planning, making sure you're well-funded, making sure you're not, because again, one of the things I, was, I always harp on, you know, underperforming businesses or un- businesses that aren't funded well, cut corners, take on bad patients and things like well, that. Just a note to... I mean, yeah. we've all learned the hard way. We have. Of, uh, of, of we that. have. And those are the people that are going to leave the bad Yelp reviews, the bad Google reviews. Those are those. So you can do everything you can. They're still not going to be happy. So taking them on might hurt you in the long run. Yeah. You know, the one thing that this is just a little sidebar, and it really doesn't totally address this, but it addressed it for me. When I was first going into practice, I was thinking, what is my business logarithm? What do I want to do as a business? Because I'm also that business owner. And because I was going to be that sole practitioner, I had gone to mentor with a physician. You might know his name, Steve Yolen. And I love Steve. He's terrific. And when I walked into his practice, he is the most understated person I've ever seen in my life. I mean, I walked in, I'm waiting for the art, the this, the that. There was a little dental chair and all of his patients would be coming in every X amount of minutes, but every patient felt like they were with him for eternities. And he said to me, Hermine, if you're worried about your finances, not the, I'm paraphrasing, because this is a while ago, and I'm glad I can remember my name. But (laughs) he basically said, don't invest in tons of equipment. Don't put that nut over your head where you have to have patients because you're going to have that $5,000, $10,000 payment every month. Just do neuromodulators and fillers to start. Develop a base for yourself because you can order that as your patients are coming in. Meaning, if you have three patients in a week, you don't have to order a skazillion syringes because all things considered, although COVID's messed up UPS and FedEx a lot, basically you can order the day before and you're going to have what you need for your patients. So I thought, hmm, this sounds really good because I had gone to another practice that was close to me, that had 10,000 square feet, had every equipment piece under the sun, had everything you'd imagine, the bubbling brook, you know, the music that was so terrific. And they closed down within six months because they couldn't afford their overhead. And so I would say to you, and I really believe this, lead with your passion and lead with your business plan. Don't just lead recklessly. Because if you do, that's your ruination. There's nothing wrong with starting out slow. You'll build and you'll build, but you're building on what you do, your reputation, and your ability to finance what you do. So you don't want to make yourself strangled where you feel that if I don't get so-and-so in and I don't sell them that series of halo treatments or I don't sell them this or that, I'm not going to make my rent. It creates a different animal in you as an injector. And I can tell you, 18 and a half years later, I have a very successful practice, and I still basically only do neuromodulators and injectables, and it has paid itself over a 
a skazillion times for me. One thing I wanted to say, uh, bouncing off of that, is COVID ta taught us a lot. And I thank God that I was financially stable and I didn't have a lot of bills over my head and a lot of leases for equipment over my head when we had to shut down for a month. Because I, like I, when I buy my products, I don't do them on terms. I put them on charge card and pay them off. So I don't owe. And I think I was so thankful for that when COVID hit, when we shut down for a month, that I could still pay my staff and I was still fine until we opened back up. So I think it taught me a lot about, whoa, I need to stay that way. I need to make sure I'm financially responsible and that I don't get in over my head. So that's one thing I learned, one lesson. You know what they always say when you say to somebody, how do you know you're in love? You just know. You just know. It's like, that never made a lot of sense to me. It's the same thing with business in this industry. If you have a passion and you are really coming from the right place, you will become successful. And I don't care who you are. I don't care how you work it, whether you're in the confines of a bigger umbrella like my favorite skin spirit, or your, your small little self like I am, the bottom line is, is you will make it because your culture is coming from a true intent of integrity and moral turpitude, and you're representing the way you should, and your patients will feel it, and they will spread the word, and you will become a success. And I really believe that. I believe that when I started, and I believe that 18 years later. Does anyone have any questions? I'm just curious. Go ahead, and the, the, if you could use the mic, that would be better. Did someone raise their hand? Yeah, she did right there. Jump up, don't be shy. <laughs> First, thank you for all that you guys do. It's amazing. You are very inspirational. But my question is, is how do you guys propose that we do obtain a governing body to become accredited and then also to regulate how we sell things. So from a vendor perspective, like how do they control the sales so we're not paying an arm and a leg so we can do more as a small practice? Do you guys have anything for that? I'd actually like to take that one um, because, I, because you said governmental body and, I, and I, wanna, I wanna say that we don't need a governmental body. The thing about it is, is we have a, we have self, a self-governing body. And I, like I'm the chair of the, the AMSPA Safety Council and one of the things we talk about, all, we talk about this all the time and we're trying to develop some foundational classes and courses and curriculum that will ultimately be what is needed for that credentialing. Is it, are we gonna be able to require it? Probably not. And, and, but we don't really need to require it if we require it of ourselves. And I think that's the bottom line is we need to, we need to self-direct that learning and that comes from you know, basic anatomy, that comes from advanced anatomy, basic injection techniques, advanced injection techniques, knowing rheology, knowing neurotoxin science, all of that stuff is critical for the, just the foundational learning. Business acumen is also critical, critical and, there, and there's classes for that as well. But, it, but if you're an injector, that's your role. If you're a business owner, that's your role. So you know, if you're both, then you need to do the, the things that you need to do for both of those roles, but to get, we can do self-directed uh, learning for that, is my opinion. I think that it's, we, we are doing both. You know, you, you are the injector, you are the business. And this is what's so cool about what we're doing. This is like the first 
like the first industry where you're mixing art and medicine with capitalism. And when you like really just take it all together, you really just like hone in on it. And, and you, to answer your question, like it, it's, it's very fundamental. It's very easy. I feel like uh, Robert Sapero, uh, who's our COO, we, we did, uh, we, we did, it's about one first being human, showing people who you are, what you can do through before and afters, and, and then running this algorithm. I think mo most of these, pe most people who get into this field, they try to buy capital equipment way too quick. You know, we're four years into it. We, have, we don't have one capital equipment except all therapy, and because I believe in it. Uh, but I, I just feel like they're dust collectors. Like they're, they're not, you know, they're depreciating while you're, tr and, and the outcome is not dependent on the practitioner. So it's basically if you have it, I have it, and now it becomes a wage of, of who has it less, who's, who's offering it for less. Um, so, you know, there was a book that I read, Good to Great, great companies who outdid their competitors like CVS, Walgreens, they stuck to what they did. And they stuck to it. Like, you, you got, I mean, the margins on fillers and, and neurotoxins are incredible. And that's the way we were like, okay, um, let's maximize the amount of, of revenue per square foot in our facility. And I feel that, I'm sorry? Oh, yeah. marketing. What? You, you got to market yourself. You got to show. You, and, and that's where, like, yeah, dancing is in front of TikTok. Yeah, it's going to get you followers. But what are you going to do with those followers? It's a good question. It, it, you know what? I think that I feel sorry for patients out there. I feel sorry for patients out there because we, we all do trainings. And we've all gone to places where someone's injected for 10 years and they still can't tell us where the facial artery is. And they don't know where deep or superficial fat pads are. Um, so I think the length of injecting means nothing when patients ask it. And patients don't know that. They're like, oh, good, I'm safe. No, you're not. So I, I try to educate patients on what to ask. Do you go to, you guys, I love seeing you here because you are all investing in yourself. I wish all your patients saw that you were here investing in yourself and enhancing your education and your expertise. This is what means the most. This is what patients need to see is that you are reading articles. You are writing articles. You are teaching. You are going to conferences. You are con continually learning more. So this is what patients need to see, not how long we've been injecting it one day a month for 10 years and we don't know anatomy. So it's so, so important. And I, that's why I think that a, a certification in these credentialing, I-SPAN has a wonderful credential, the, the CAMS, and hopefully AMSPA will We're get one. There. I want AMSPA to get one. But what's important is that pa patients know to ask for that credentialing because that at least tells them a foundational knowledge, not really expertise per se, but at least a knowledge base that they, they, you know anatomy and you know certain things that a lot of people don't know. So I think having those little letters, whatever they might be, is really good, but patients need to know that. So we need to get the word out so people are aware of that, and they ask for it. You know, the other thing also is that you're never going to get away from the patient that's looking for the Groupon. You know, that's a whole different element of a patient. And usually Groupon patients do not convert to private practice patients or private medical spa patients because they're looking for the next deal. And you have to decide, do you want that? What I'm loving about being up on this panel today is Jacob. And I'll tell you why, for me. Because he, there's always going to be a newer generation of injectors that see the field differently than someone who's been in it. You know, you get your blinders on, 
and you do your thing, good or bad or indifferent, and then someone might challenge that and say, well, I see it this way. And so the greatest thing that any of you can do is determine what you want to get out of the field and then start promoting and projecting your persona. Like you might go on Instagram today or TikTok and do like a little self-video reel of saying, I'm here at AmSpa and I'm learning all of this. And as your injector, I want everybody to know that this is how I feel good about what I'm bringing to my practice to help you. And it helps patients because patients look for that. We need to educate them just like they educate us. Thank you. Absolutely. No, absolutely. Like, like after this, after this, like this is, this is how I'm thinking. That I, after this, I would, everyone would, I would take a picture in front of all-star panel. That's a piece of content right there. That just shows that you're doing the work, but you're not like, oh, you know, like you're not trying to, you can't make it look like you're selling. You just got to like infuse it in. Take a picture in front of all-star injector panel. Take a picture in front of the step and repeat that, yeah, you are, you are further in your education. But I do feel like I want to not make them feel like this is so complicated. This is why I don't wear my lab coat. I, 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 don't, I want them to feel, I want to destigmatize and, and get away from that scary feeling when you go into an injectable practice, you're like, oh, okay, there's chances of a risk, there's chances of something may go wrong, uh, I'm intimidated, this person knows. I, so we, yeah, we bump, we bump music, it's, there's art all over, the, all over the, the place, but behind closed doors, we're doing some crazy stuff. We, we got a laboratory where we're just, you know, sterilely removing the, the filler that, you know, they need to ensure the quality. They don't have to know that. We know that hepatitis can live on a surface for more than two weeks without you seeing it. What are we doing as practitioners? And that's how we need to increase the standard. They don't need to see that. What they need to see is, well, I can see how I can incorporate this into my daily life forever, even in my 20s. And I think when you do that, it, that's how we break the stigma and, and, and you get all the entire demographic. You don't get people in their 50s or 40s trying to reclaim themselves. Because I started using this when I was in my 30s. I didn't feel like I needed to reclaim myself. It was more about like, man, I can see how I'm, I'm a sailor. I'm always out on the water. I have these cracks on my forehead. I took this, uh, this uh, neurotoxin course. Man, I can, I can see how I can use that. If we do that and we, and we sell that to the world, now people are going to be like, oh, okay, this is not as intimidating. This, is, this feels like, yeah, I'm going to get my hair done. I'm going to get my eyebrows done. Sarah, go ahead. I don't, not to switch subjects, but it just made me think of something that I would love to ask the panel, y'all's opinion on this. Um, so with the ever-expanding industry and us trying to raise the bar with education and standards and really staying above bar, what, there's so many wrong things happening out there, too, amongst colleagues. And so I'd be interested in knowing from the panel how are you guys handling it in your area? When we, because we don't have accountability, right? We don't have a board that's regulating and, you know, pharmaceutical companies do their best, but they're selling to everyone. So how, how do you guys handle that in your area? Well, I mean, one like of the you, things, mm-hmm. I'd like to speak yeah. to that because uh, I, I live in Austin, uh, Austin, Texas, and um, we created in uh, Austin, and now we, we just changed the name of it to the Capital Area because um, we have a Capital Area Injector Group. And we get together once a quarter. Industry usually sponsors a dinner, and we get together and we talk about complications. We talk about what we're seeing. We're talking, you know, and and we network with each other. We have high Linux groups. Um, all of those things, uh, you know, the the next thing we're 
we're going to be talking about is who's getting the ultrasound and how we're going to learn that ultrasound. And so you re really can have that community. Um, one of the things that I, I thought you were going and you went a different direction, but if you see a bad technique on Instagram, like a really dangerous technique, like injecting through the mouth, don't, don't repost it. Repost it. <laughs> Please do not repost that unless you put a big circle with an X through it. Because what happens is new providers see, oh, Lori Robertson just reposted this thing. They don't read. They don't read what Lori says about how egregious it is. They just see that Lori posted that you didn't. No, I know you didn't. I know, I know you didn't because we had a conversation about this. But it, it, it's really critical that we, that we make sure that we have that right information going out there. That's such a good point. I, I think another reason why you shouldn't repost it is because you have people who are just about to get this stuff. They're, they're thinking, mm, I, might, I, might, I, I might consider this. And when they see that, or, or you're putting down, let's say you, have, you show somebody with necrotic tissue or it's a bad technique, you're instilling fear. And, and that really is, I mean, the chance of a severe complication is what, 0.0001 to 0.05, depending on which body of literature you're looking at. And you're instilling fear. And really what we have to do to answer your question is we all have to be each other's crutch. And if we're each other's crutch, no one will ever fall. And that's what we have to do in the industry. We actually have to come together. Uh, one of the things that we did on our end is we developed the Aesthetic Vision Institute. Um, and that was to provide a standard across all disciplines of medicine where you're getting hands-on on cadavers, one-on-one. -on -one. You're doing all those advanced techniques, on and off label use. Uh, you're, you, you, know, you're, you're, you have models galore uh, to the point where you feel confident in what you're doing. I think that we all, it, it really wasn't so that I, I can be an educator. It was more like, I want to ensure that I'm going to be able to do this for the next 15 years without Big Brother stepping in and setting regulations on us. And I, I think that we all have a duty to actually step up. And, and, you know, I don't think that there's competition. I think it's more about let's come together and let's, let's raise the standard within the industry so that we secure our careers for the rest of our lives so that we can continue providing for our families and leave a legacy and, and leave something behind for your children. Mic drop. <laughs> um, we are at time, yeah. We got it right at time. I wish we had more. Thank you all very, very, Thank very you. much. I Thank you. Great. I appreciate it. Thank you all. Thanks for joining us this week for the American Med Spa podcast, Medical Spa Insider. This week, Alex Tiersch was the moderator for the All-Star Injectors panel, which include panelists George Baxter Holder of Skin Spirit, Lori Robertson of Aesthetic Immersion, Sarah Safa of Redefined Aesthetics, Jacob Sanchez of Get Refreshed, and Hermine Warren of Faceology. If you're new with us, we would love to invite you to hit the subscribe button. Click it now so you can get AmSpa content delivered to you each time. Leave a rating and a review. See you on our next episode. <laughs>